0: Yes, I have questions for you. Welcome to the I Have Questions podcast from those nerdy girls at Dear Pandemic. Here on the podcast, we chat with experts across many disciplines of science to explore how our interconnected world is being reshaped by the COVID-19 pandemic. Find us on our website at dearpandemic.org. I'm your host, Dr. Malia Jones, hybrid social infectious disease epidemiologist at UW-Madison's Applied Population Laboratory and editor-in-chief at Dear Pandemic. This episode was recorded on September 26, 2020. Today I'm chatting with Dr. Lindsay Leininger, who is a clinical professor of business administration at the Tuck School of Business of Dartmouth College. She's also our beloved nerdy girl in chief at Dear Pandemic. Dr. Leininger is a public health educator and researcher with expertise in data-driven health policy. Her primary focus is teaching and translating quantitative methods to healthcare leaders She develops and teaches courses at the intersection of health analysis, public health, and the healthcare industry. Today, we're opening up the question box and answering questions from our followers. How are you this morning,
1: Lindsay? Good morning, Dr. Jones. It's lovely to see you. Yeah, lovely to see you. What's new in your world that's fun and light and exciting?
0: Oh well, I was hoping to report back my inaugural episode of the Great British Baking Show, but um, unfortunately, my internet was down last night, so I did not get to watch it, which was incredibly disappointing.
1: I am very sorry. We love the Great British Baking Show in my house, and as I was telling Malia before we hopped on live, um, it is my nine-year-old son who first turned me on to it. So love it. it is a it is a definitely an injection of joy. I feel. Yeah. Like. What's shit. your
0: favorite mindless TV right
1: now? I don't really watch any mindless TV right now. Is that, what? I know, I, but in normal times, <laughs> it is definitely anything Bravo,
0: especially the housewives. I love all the real housewives. Oh, nice. Like wow. all of them. All right, well, we're here to answer questions and not just chat about television, so I want to start off with a big thank you to our followers. As always, we read every single one of the questions that you have submitted and we so appreciate all of your comments and discussion and feedback on our page. I read every one of those questions that are submitted to the question box, and we got a ton of great questions this week. We have a ton of new followers since we started posting way back at the beginning of the pandemic, and I noticed quite a few topics that we've already covered. So I just want to highlight that we have a website, which is dearpandemic.org, and it's really easy to search all of our 500 or so posts to see what we have said about lots and lots and lots of practical COVID topics. So go check it out. It's dearpandemic.org. You can also submit your questions over there. We wish we could answer every single one of your questions, and we can't. So today we've just picked a few. We have a theme today, Lindsay. What is our theme?
1: Stay smart this fall.
0: (laughs) We're going to talk about some seasonal topics (laughs) as well as some current events and controversies and uh, how to move into colder weather while also staying smart. So we're going to drop the smart infographic in the comment section, I think. And this is an infographic that we developed in partnership with IMPACT. Lindsay, you introduced us to IMPACT, so tell us a little bit about them.
1: Our dear partners and, and friends at IMPACT for Healthcare are a wonderful alliance of physician leaders based out of Chicago doing very similar work to us at Dear Pandemic. They're trying to get good science-based information into the ecosystem, and they do so through their physician MD channels and networks.
0: Yeah, they're great partners. So we developed this infographic alongside them, and the it's an acronym, SMART. So just to preview what we're going to talk about today, SMART stands for space, keep your distance, masks, wear them over your nose and mouth air keep the air fresh restrict restrict your circle of people that you're interacting with and time keep it short so s-m-a-r-t smart all right so i've got the first question here this is something that we've just been hearing a ton of chatter about in the info system this week so aerosols what is up with aerosols What's going on? Why can't CDC seem to make up their mind about aerosols? Scientists are saying it's aerosol. Other scientists are saying, no, it's not aerosol. What's the deal?
1: It is so confusing, right? Like, I think when scientists bicker, it just confuses everybody. So we're here to kind of cut through the chase. If you think of your respiratory gunk, thank you, Alison Buttonheim, for that phrase, <laughs> there are two types of respiratory gunk when you talk or you sing or you do you know, something vocal. There's a viral cloud and there's a viral rainstorm. Now, if we think of the viral rainstorm as respiratory transmission, scientists are in agreement that respiratory transmission or the rainstorm is the primary way SARS-CoV-2 is spreading, right? So watch out for the rain. That's really how you get wet. But you can also think of a viral cloud that you emit that's more like a mist. And what we're learning as we go with this pandemic is that the viral mist, while not the first and primary mode of transmission, is looking like it is indeed able to transmit and has caused transmission in some settings. So. Again, the rainstorm is what matters the most, but the mist actually matters too. So what's the implication for those of us who are normal people? It means poorly ventilated indoor spaces are risky. So we need to make the indoors look more like the outdoors. That's really all this means for those of us in the lay community. But here's why there's so much bickering in the scientific community. It's not that the cloud and the rainstorm, we all agree on this. I mean, it's not the transmission dynamics. It's really a scientific taxonomy, a classification question that I think is what's causing a lot of confusion. So when Malia and I say, stay smart and watch out primarily for the rainstorms, but also the clouds, that's not a big deal, right? Like we tell y'all this and you say, okay, I need to avoid poorly ventilated spaces. But when the CDC comes out and says viral clouds matter in scientific language, there is a cascade of impacts throughout society. Hospitals have to start doing different things to for their infection control protocols. Yeah, it, it gets just, all
0: tangled up in these regulatory issues. It's
1: tangled up in regulatory mess, right? So scientists agree that the viral rain is the most important, but the viral clouds can matter too. What we're trying to figure out now is how regulatory science classifies this virus. And that matters and takes time and involves a lot of scientific taxonomy type of speak because it has huge downstream implications.
0: And I'll just give one example. If, if CDC and WHO agree that you know, technically speaking, the virus is airborne, which means it's spread via aerosolized, uh, very, very, very tiny particles that can hang in the air for a long time, like a cloud or a mist, then hospitals have to implement this whole other protocol for infection control, which involves not only wearing you know, masks and face shields, which doctors and nurses are already doing, but also putting patients in pressurized rooms so that the air in the room doesn't escape into the hallways and you know, all kinds of other practices in hospitals. And in fact, we're not actually seeing healthcare workers with high rates of infection anymore now that we have got some good basic preventative practices. And so it doesn't seem like it's necessary. It does also seem like there's some variation here. Like there, for some reason, in some circumstances, it does get aerosolized and spreads to lots of people in indoor spaces. And, and I think that's just not, it's not well understood why, why sometimes that happens. And sometimes that is not the case. But as well, you said, poor
1: ventilation.
0: Yeah, I was just going to say, as you said, practically speaking, the answer here is essentially ventilation. All of those instances of, of what we're calling super spreader events, or nearly all of them, were in poorly ventilated, crowded indoor spaces like nursing homes, prisons, restaurants, wedding receptions, summer camp cabins, so all of these indoor spaces.
1: And I, if if it's okay, Malia, I just want to end by giving the guidance that Lindsay Marr, who's a scientist, and she is like the aerosol scientist, I was going to say queen, but she's, she's more like a deity. She's like a guru. She's the person. And she says, look, the practical implications are masks, ventilation, distance. Yep. So we'll give her the, <laughs> the shout out she deserves on this. Yeah. So Dr. Jones, do I get to ask you a question now? You do. Yay. Okay. Joy Lynn from Grand Rapids, Michigan, thank you so much for writing in. Uh, She asks, I'm 65 and have been working from home, meeting my adult children outside for visits and social distancing. Now that cold weather is approaching, I'm wondering about meeting with them indoors. Would it be okay if we wore masks, stayed six feet apart, and kept some windows open? They also have limited social contact. Maybe for an hour?
0: What say you, Dr. Jones? All right, this is a terrific opportunity to reinforce some of those points that we just made, but I'm gonna take the SMART guidelines and reframe them a little bit, right? So we've got space, masks, air, Restrict your circle and time. And Joy Lynn, you actually covered, I think, all of those. So that's <laughs> really good job. You've been paying attention. But I'm gonna reframe this in case it's helpful for for some people's brains. What you can do before, during, and after a visit like this, right? Is the weather gets colder. I live in Wisconsin. It is not going to be possible to have chit chats with my in-laws outdoors for much longer here. So thinking about having a safe brief visit with your family indoors, how do we do this? So I think to prepare, the first step is prepare, get ready to do this. And I'm really happy to hear that your kids have social, have limited social contacts. It sounds like you also have limited social contacts, so that is great. That's probably the best thing that you can do to prevent there being virus in your home during one of these visits in the, in the first place, right? Just make sure that none of you have high risk. Keep it out of your bubbles. Other things that you can do, you mentioned plan shorter visits. You can also have fewer people at once because that'll keep the space less crowded and the number of viral particles getting into the air lower because you have fewer people who are inhaling and exhaling in there. I would suggest laying out a rule about masks in advance. Just tell everyone that you are asking them to wear their mask over their nose and mouth. You're their mom, so hopefully they'll listen to you. Another thing you can do is call your HVAC person and ask them if you don't already know how to turn up the air exchange, how to draw in more fresh air from outside. Can you turn up the fan to do that or is there something else that you need in order to do that? And also have your filters replaced. Or if you, I I don't have the kind of heat that has a fan, I have radiant heat. So I'll just open a window and put a fan in it and also run a HEPA filter you know, living in Wisconsin, sometimes it is way too cold to just open a window and put a fan in it. If it's negative 30, that's not going to work. So I I do have a HEPA filter, and I will run that to help clean the air. One other thing that you might think about doing in advance is putting a sign in your bathroom asking people to flush the toilet with the lid down. This turns out to be a thing. Toilets can, it turns out, spread quite a bit of germs. And it's a little unclear whether the germs that might come out of your toilet are include live, active, or, you know, it's not exactly alive, but active uh, COVID particles or not. So just to be safe, ask people to flush with the toilet lid down. And then one last thing I was thinking about to get ready is to try and think about how are you going to eat and drink with your masks on? It's really important to keep those masks on your nose and face the whole time. And so this is pretty hard. This is one of the challenges that I think has led to some of the super spreader events being in situations like restaurants and weddings. And so maybe we just skip the snacks and the drinks and have this be a short visit without refreshments, right? Okay, so then during the visit, you have to enforce that mask rule. Masks have got to stay on. Don't hang out in the basement. Bring in that fresh air from outside. Choose a good place to hang out. And then don't engage in activities that produce extra droplets. So it turns out that when we talk or sing or om or shout, more droplets come from deep inside our lungs into the air. And so I would just avoid any kind of activities like singing, shouting, chanting, or oming that would produce a lot of extra droplets. And then finally after the fact you could protect yourself from any viral material that remains after your visit. It turns out deep cleaning all the surfaces in your home is probably unnecessary. You just want to circulate the air and then wash your hands. You know, practice good hand hygiene. If you want if it makes you feel um, more confident you could sanitize high-touch surfaces, but it's not necessary to, you know, take off all your clothes and take a shower right after your guests leave. And then finally, I would say stay in touch. If anybody becomes symptomatic after you've had a visit, you need to be communicating about that and everybody should get tested and quarantined for 14 days. So those are my tips. That's a reframe of the SMART guidelines for you for before, during, and after a visit. All right, so I've got a question for you, Lindsay. Are you ready for this one? I'm ready. Anonymous from Philadelphia asks us, how safe for hot tubs? they're so different from pools we have covered pools in the past we covered pools several times before it was swimming pool season back in may and this is a new one perhaps for winter what do you think
1: well anonymous and other hot tub aficionados it's not the water that's the problem it's the people that are the problem (laughs) so again one hot tub experience can vary quite a bit from another hot tub experience so me and my son Max hanging out in a hot tub in our backyard is fine. Mm-hmm. But you with a hundred people you don't know well, in that's a, a hot big tub, hot tub.
0: In a hot tub,
1: <laughs> shoulder to shoulder, that's yeah. a disaster. Yeah. <laughs> so, Total disaster. Again, it's not the water that's the problem, it's the people that are the yeah. problem. So
0: same so- principles apply here as well. I'll just add to that, that the the water in a hot tub is hopefully chlorinated or has some other sanitizing chemical in there. So even if somebody were to, I don't know, like backwash into the hot tub water, there would not be virus in there. Don't drink, don't backwash into the hot tub. Not drink the hot tub water, people. That's my public health advice for the day. (laughs) But- are small and so i just want to reinforce that idea that you know the important thing here is to keep your distance and here in wisconsin we do saunas what do you think about saunas
1: i think that is a poorly ventilated indoor space with people contact and every nerdy girl alarm bell inside me is freaking out so if it's your own personal sauna in your own house and i have some friends who who have that they're from i have a sauna away right like if it's in your house and you're going in your sauna, that's great, but don't invite your friends over to come hang out in your sauna. Like yeah, that no. violates every smart
0: The people in your sauna and your hot tub should only be the people in your bubble. I, I now I have a really
1: good smart week to share with you and our friends. So the smart protocols, I have taken them on the road this week about a sauna, now a hot tub, uh, how to help the MBA students here at Tuck Organize more safer socializing. Hopefully and not in a sauna. Not in a sauna or a hot tub. And I have spoken to the New York Times restaurant critics, so I am having quite a smart week, if you will. Yeah, you are. Well, you're These a are girl
0: principles. They're very widely <laughs> applicable. That's right. Apply them everywhere. Exactly. It's what I'm doing smart. So, you know, reflecting uh, just a little more on the hot tub question. I So some people have a hot tub available to them at their gym, right? Which would be a shared, like, you might be the only one person in it at this time. But I do think that um, if there's a lot of turnover, if there are a lot of people in and out of there, I'm still a little worried about it. So I, I wouldn't would, do. I it. would skip it. Yeah,
1: it's yeah. past my comfort zone.
0: Me too. So are Even gyms. Are a actually, system. I yeah. I'm also really worried about gyms in general. So
1: no, me too. I know, yeah. and I know I, this is a very hard time for them. But yeah, I, I I still feel compelled to say that I don't feel comfortable exercising
0: in, in a, a shared space. space. I agree indoors. Some of the gyms near here have been trying to operate outdoors. And I think that's a, that's a smart idea. <laughs> all right, you've got one for me. Oh, I do,
1: and I think this is all we have time for.
0: Yep. Um, OK, so
1: this is from Christina from Fullerton, California. So thank you, Christina, for writing in. We're grateful for your question. All right, Dr. Jones, how risky is it if people walk past on the sidewalk who aren't wearing masks? My kids love running around in our front yard, and we have a lot of people who walk and jog past. My kids will run near the sidewalk, and I know they are less than six feet away. I usually have my kids go back to the porch away from the sidewalk. Should I keep chasing my kids away from the
0: sidewalk, or should I have them wear masks? This is a terrific question, Christina. We, uh, Lindsay and I both also have young children, and. I will start off by saying, I think it's a great idea to have your kids outside playing. It's really good for them. They need the exercise, especially if they're home from school and maybe on screens a lot of the day. Outside is great. And we should take advantage of the nice weather while while it lasts. Although I guess in Fullerton, you might get nice weather for (laughs) a little bit longer than we do here in Wisconsin. I have some good news though. Outside air is as well ventilated as air can be. And so Although I realize in California, you've been dealing with quite a bit of poor outdoor air quality. In terms of COVID, I'm not worried about outside air. And it turns out that that kind of just momentary casual exposure of someone walking a dog past your children is very low risk. And so I would just let it go and not worry about it too much. If your kids are gonna be spending more prolonged time outside with other people, especially if they're high risk people like grandparents or someone who's immunocompromised, I would ask them to wear a mask and explain to them why it's important to keep our distance. But I don't freak out when someone runs or walks past my children on the sidewalk. It's just too short a time and there's so much air. There's not gonna be enough viral particle. Even if that person is sick, there's not gonna be that much viral particle in that little bit of air that they might have shared. So I, I just don't worry about it. Do you have a different perspective, Lindsay? Agree 100%. All right. Well, that's the good news. We <laughs> can stop freaking out about those, about someone jogging past us. The same goes if you're out exercising or walking. You know, if you go past someone and going the other way, and there's a moment when, you know, one person's going this way and the other person's going that way, it's, it's not something to worry about. I love that we have learned some of these things at this point that we can like let go of the worries some of the unknowns that are a little bit more pinned down
1: in the beginning do you remember there was a study that went viral about like a
0: biker and being able to emit for like oh that image haunts me they had right like we were they they had had a very compelling image to go with that article about the the particle cloud that can go behind someone who is i think it was biking it was yeah and yeah, it turns out that, that even someone who's admitting a lot of virus, it, it dissipates well enough that it, just is, it doesn't seem like a, a main way that people are getting sick at all. Go science for yeah. having
1: learned so much about transmission.
0: Yeah. So I see someone in the chat has actually asked, what about walking or running on city trails? If you're by yourself, I, this, is, this is not a real concern. If you're going to be with a group of other people or it's a crowded environment, I would wear a mask and that'll help protect you. All right. Well, that is all we have time for today. If you have a question, you can submit it to our question box. It's on our website at www.dearpandemic.org, right there at the bottom. And while you're there, you can try searching for the keywords in your question. We have answered tons of topics. We've covered outside air in, I don't know how many different ways at this point, (laughs) quite a few. And an answer might be sitting there waiting for you on our website. So thank you for being with us. And we are going to see you next week for more Q&A. Stay safe. Stay sane. Thanks for tuning in. This has been the I Have Questions podcast from those nerdy girls at Dear Pandemic. If you have a COVID question, you can submit it on our website at dearpandemic.org. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. And subscribe to our podcast, I Have Questions wherever you get podcasts or at anchor.fm slash Pandemic.